Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my new friend, Sienna Brown, on the line with us today. Sienna, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, John? Oh, I'm so good. So happy to have you on the podcast today. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hey, guys. My name is Sienna Brown, and I am a multidisciplinary artist and healer. That's awesome. Um, for the listeners who don't know, uh, Sienna's other half, Mr. James Wolf, was on the podcast uh, about a month or two ago, and uh, we had such a great time talking about life and art, um, and then I was like, we definitely got to get Sienna on the pod, and I'm super, super stoked to have you on today. Um, so talk to me a bit, little bit about your background, like where you grew up, where you're from, and, and kind of like what's your story? All right. I grew up in Orange County, California, so I've been a beach baby pretty much my whole life. My mom homeschooled us starting when I was five years old, and I was homeschooled up through middle school. So growing up, I was really left to my own devices in creating my own inner world and really learned how to um, be by myself and be with others and really have fun developing my creativity and own resourcefulness. And um, that's where I really, I really feel like I developed my identity really early on in, in terms of being a creative. And I grew up going to the beach a lot. I was a Orange County Beach lifeguard, a Huntington Beach lifeguard for about eight years. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah. So being at the beach, being in the ocean, ocean safety, that kind of a lifestyle was really it's really been the foundations of um, how I grew up. That's and pretty. I was a swimmer. Oh, I yeah. swam too as a kid. Yeah. yeah. This is not, oh, really? this is not a line at all, but like literally my, my best stroke was the breaststroke. And it was just like a very funny thing as a kid because I played football and lacrosse and like all these like manly sports. And then I was a swimmer in the summer. Um, but I used to love <laughs> swimming. I actually just got rid of like all my old school swimming trophies from, you know, my parents just moved. So I was like cleaning out all my old stuff. I was like, oh man, I remember that meet. I remember that swim meet. It was like, oh shit. Oh. It was like super <laughs> nostalgic. Yeah. Breaststroke is hard. I wasn't good at that one. I was more of a freestyler. Uh, see, I could do breaststroke and freestyle. I couldn't do backstroke to save my life. And when I was like six or seven years old, I almost drowned doing the butterfly. So it was like, yeah, no, you it's, almost drowned? it's the funniest story because one of my football coaches ended up marrying the lifeguard who like jumped in to pull me out of the pool. But I was like super, <laughs> super young. And they were like, oh, uh, you only swim in one event. Like you should just go do like this 50 butterfly. I was like, I've never swam butterfly. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm six, seven years old. I'm like, I don't think I should do this. And I just was doing it and doing it. And then like halfway through, I think I just didn't pick my head up enough and just inhaled the entire pool. Oh my God. And then I was, yeah, I didn't actually drown, but someone did jump in and pull me out. And that person ended up marrying one of my football coaches. It's very funny how life works like that. Um, so did do you, you think, end up getting a standing ovation or anything at the she wedding? She did. She did for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Such a funny, like oddly small world. Yeah. But I used to love swimming as a kid. Do you think um, being homeschooled kind of like that free time that like, f you know, kind of creative mindset was like something that was able to be developed at like a much younger age? Definitely. Definitely. I had the freedom to explore everything I wanted to, from embroidery to making forts in the backyard, to going out and um, going to the beach and just building sandcastles. I feel like creativity was not 
designated to one medium for me. I just became um, creative fundamentally, like in my bones. And I would wear rainbow shoes and <laughs> I wasn't around other kids, so I wouldn't know if they were cool or not. So I really developed a sense of self, I feel, um, or foundational at peace, foundationally at peace with who I was from that viewpoint very early on. That's pretty awesome. And so like at what grade did you go back to, you know, like normal, regular elementary school or junior high or whatever it was? I ended up going to junior high in sixth grade and then public high school and on to college. So I had, I kind of had the full spectrum. I started homeschooled and then I went to a private middle school and then public high school and public college. So socially it was an interesting uh, blooming process for me. I feel like I, I got the full spectrum of what it's like to live alone and what it's like to live in a sea of 700 people or 40,000 people every day at, in college. That's pretty awesome. Um, so you said you're a multidisciplinarian artist now. That was a mouthful. Um, what, well, like when was it? So obviously you had like all this creative freedom as a child and then like going through, you know, the normal pattern of junior high, high school, college, like what, was there any kind of moment in your childhood or adult adolescence that kind of stuck out at you when you were like, I wanted to continue being this creative spirit kind of in perpetuity? It's kind of always been there for me. It has always been there for me. I have turned to art as my source of solace and my source of joy in myself since I was very young. When I was in high school and college, I thought that um, the way to do that would be to become an art teacher because that was more stable. Um, you have a steady source of income. You're funded by the government. There's no surprises in terms of um, scheduling or money coming in or any of that. And it was really in college when I started getting um, decent commissions and then also just was able to fully explore scale, like making 15 foot tall pieces or um, getting residencies and stuff like that. Yeah. When I started to gain headway with um, just seeing the possibilities of what art could be or what I could make versus just wanting to be creative every day. That's what really shifted for me when I saw that, like what I, what I can make could change the world. That's fucking awesome. I, uh, I mentioned when I had James on the line that one of the, it's not a regret, right? Cause I had no control over it, but like one of the things that bums me out so much about my own creative journey is that it happened. So not late in life, like I'm only 35, but like later in life, I didn't have the bug you know, to, you know, the itch to scratch at a young age. And I wish I had been taking pictures, you know, since I was a child. And funny enough, I actually did. I, I uncovered so many like disposable camera rolls and, and, and pictures that I took as kid, as a kid, like on, uh, you know, class trips and, and things like that, which was funny because you, you might've, I might've been able to subconsciously realize it was something that I love doing, but you just kind of get pushed off the path by sports, by school, by, you know, extracurricular activities, like things that like, you know, quote unquote are more important, right? Things that like all your friends are doing. Mm -hmm. So I got to go to baseball practice or football practice or whatever it might be. And one of the things that bums me out so much is like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm behind where I want to be in terms of the art that I'm making now. And to me, it sounds like it's something that you kind of knew and recognize that a super 
super young age, which I'm incredibly jealous of. Um, that being said, talk to me about like your creative process because I have absolutely no understanding of art at all. I had an artist on my podcast a couple weeks ago, and I'm just very, very interested in learning about your creative process, like what inspires you to make something and like what is like, uh, you know, fundamentally that works into you creating a piece, whether it's, I'm going to say on a non-commissioned piece, something that you're just making for yourself, not someone who comes to you with a a specific idea. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I was very, I've been very blessed to have understood that, to understand how much creativity means to me from a young age and have that fostered. Um, Because of that, my process, I've realized that my artwork is really a reflection of my inner state. I... I've been painting my whole life and looking back on the types of work I was doing, it was a reflection of my headspace and what I was going through and what was coming out of me and what I was healing from. Um, The first time I really recognized that was in college. I, I was painting these paintings with food on people's heads and I thought that they were super fun and super silly and all of that. And, at the same time, I was, I had an eating disorder. I was bulimic and these paintings were super light and colorful and happy. And I thought that like people, people loved them. People thought they were really interesting. And I approached one of my professors to sign off on um, me renting out a gallery space. And he asked me what the work was about. And I hadn't told anyone that I had an eating disorder yet. I it was completely under wraps. No one had known for 10 years. And he said, um, like, I really like these paintings. They're really beautiful, but what do they mean? And I said, oh, they're just silly. They're fun. I think people will really like them. They're colorful. They're happy. You know, like food's always on your mind kind of a thing. And he said, formally, you're incredibly talented. So this work is, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece. These are beautiful pieces, but, um, these don't have any content. If they had something to do with an eating disorder or bulimia or something about um, internal struggles with food or something like that, then I could see it being more of an interesting exhibition for people to go and get something out of. But because these pieces don't really have any meaning, I'm not going to sign off on this for you. And my face just dropped because I realized that I was completely see-through whether I wanted to be or not, me as an artist, what I what I do is a direct reflection of like what I am going through or what I am processing about myself in any stage of my life. And from that point forward, I started making artwork more consciously and really looking at myself and seeing like what am I, what am I experiencing right now? What can I, what would I like to learn from from being connected to what is higher than me and how can I use this as a way to better understand myself rather than like prove myself. Wow. I find it incredibly interesting that you could be going through such like a struggle internally and then like externally creating like a light and airy kind of art. How Mm -hmm. does that like, it's like anti and, and it's the antithesis of like your internal struggle. Like, I would imagine that the art would come out dark and moody and, and you know, m- m- less ethereal and, and light. 
Um, I find that wildly interesting. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so I guess your mindset doesn't necessarily fully factor into the art that you're creating because it would appear to me like when you're going through a struggle for a 10 year period of like, you know, internal unrest that that would manifest itself in, in a non direct correlation kind of, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Looking back on the sketches that I was doing and the other pieces that I was making, what was coming out of me when I wasn't showing people was dark. Okay. But what I was presenting to the world, what I, how I wanted to appear as this Orange County, Huntington Beach lifeguard. Got blonde, it all together. Tall, got it all together, 4.0 student, like happy, go lucky, easy breezy girl that brings vegetables everywhere. <laughs> like that, that was me. That was like what I was presenting as. And, yeah, having having someone just flat out tell me what was happening or like speak truth like that and tell me what was happening to me and reali me realizing that I can't hide anymore, that's that's really what flipped for me. And that's when I really started embracing my shadow and embracing the beauty that can come from when you aren't scared of yourself and really diving into like what what's screaming to come out of you. Was that like a very freeing moment artistically? It was. It was as equally freeing as it was scary because the very next piece I did was very, it was kind of a narrative about eating disorders. It was a multi-paneled piece that, um, that um, was oriented in kind of a clockwise, a, a clockwise direction. So you could look from scene to scene and see the process of someone going through um, like a late night binge and I hadn't told any of my friends none of my none of the um, professors that were critiquing my work I just put it on the wall and um, I mean when you when you are splayed open like that in front of everyone like they know like it's official that that's what you're going through or that's part of you so I felt in that moment I had a big identity outwards identity shift I mean, I find that incredibly profound and, and incredibly powerful, especially because I, I don't have any relatable, um, ex, you know, experience to that. And I, I know that there is a fair number of men who experience anorexia and bulimia and the like kind of need to kind of fit into that cookie cutter mold. It's obviously much more prevalent amongst women. Um, I had a good friend of mine growing up, probably we were friends from like eight and we're still friends now, um, who had a very, very traumatic eating, uh, disorder probably sometime in college and she almost died. And one of the things that struck me about it was, and, and, uh, you know, I know this is a terrible thing to say, like she was an incredibly beautiful girl and she didn't need to feel that way. Um, mm -hmm. but, but she always felt like she wasn't good enough and she never looked good enough and compared to comparison to all of her friends, um, and you know, media, et cetera. She just never felt like she fit the mold of whatever. And that broke my heart. Um, and it's like such a tragic thing and something that I have no business being able to relate to because I'm, irrationally confident in the fact that I'm have a fat dad bod and I've always felt that way. But, <laughs> but more importantly, I think it speaks to like what she does now, like as you know, she's like a therapist and she helps other mm. people. So like has greatly informed her life. Um, being that it played such a 
you know, considerable part in your creative outlet. Do you think that you have grown exponentially as an artist from struggling with something for so long? Oh yeah, definitely. I would not take it back. All of the, all of the pain and struggle that you go through when you're dealing with yourself on such an intimate level, I expanded so much into deeper love for myself. And I feel like now I have a way bigger capacity to understand and love people, even when they're struggling. And it's, it also is what really catapulted my spiritual journey and um, seeing that I am more than just this body. I'm more than just this little part of me that we're all here for specific reasons to like walk each other home. Oh, I love so. that. I'm stealing the fuck out of that. Holy shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Ross, not me. <laughs> I know. I know. I had a feeling. Uh, I, uh, I've got this thing I say a lot. I don't think of people as like damaged, right? I think of most human beings as crumpled up pieces of paper and, and it starts at like a young age. You start like fucking things up and like doing, sh- you know, shitty things to people and you just start becoming like this crumpled mess of a ball. And like, as I've gotten older, I've tried to be like extremely diligent and like kind of smoothing out those rough edges and kind of getting rid of some of the wrinkles in my past because I feel like you grow so much as you get older and it's it's not always as apparent at a young age about the things that you could be doing better in your life being a better friend brother you know whatever it might be and I, I think that it's just like one of those nice things um man that's a, that's an incredibly powerful uh sentiment that I just wrote down and I'm stealing <laughs> Um, go for it yeah you've uh, you've been doing art for an extremely long time and I would like to kind of tie into the fact that like inherently having an eating disorder would in my mind and my estimation mean you you lack some sort of confidence inside like you're trying to fill a void or look a certain way because you don't necessarily um, feel adequate enough in some physical sense but talk Mm -hmm. to me about you know, confidence and or, you know, belief in yourself as an artist, as it relates to kind of like your, the longevity of your career. I would say it's, it feels very much as above, so below. So Mm. to be completely real with you, like as an artist, you have to if you love what you do, you have to be okay with whatever comes of it. Like I'm shooting for the stars and I want that for everyone else who's an artist, but you can't get scared if you don't see it happening. Like if you really love what you do, you're going to lean into it even more in those scary moments. That's really what I've noticed. And that's what has been so confirming for me as an artist in seeing that when times get tough or when things get scary, I turn to this as my sense of solace. It's not just what I want to share with the world or I want to be famous. I want to be in a gallery. I want to do feature films with James. It's also core to who I am as a human Mm. and how I relate to um, the divine and how I communicate with the divine and how I, um, center myself, how I ground myself, how I learn about myself. 
it's my inner world. Hmm. I fucking love that. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't have that kind of perspective on my creative side until very recently. And I'm immensely jealous of people who like, just like that feels like something that's clicked for you and has been like instilled in yourself for a while. Um, I, I was talking with an artist friend of mine on the podcast, uh, like I said, a few weeks ago. And something that I get caught up in all the time is, you know, the digital world, right? Instagram, followers, um, likes, etc. Um, and she's a very, very commercially successful artist who's, you know, worked with major corporations, sports teams, the whole nine yards. And she admitted to being just as caught up as, you know, we all typically are on a digital, you know, landscape in terms of, you know, how many followers does she have and how many likes does something get? Um, do things like that factor into you when you push stuff out there in the world or could you give less of a shit? You know, before COVID, BC, it really did. <laughs> BC. Uh, <laughs> BC. Oh, shit. I had, yeah, I had two separate Instagrams. I had one personal one where I shared um, you know, about my lifeguard life and being in a sorority and, you know, your, your typical existence life. And then I had my art account and I had a lot of followers and I had been growing it for a very long time. I was connecting with other people and I was getting noticed. And um, it was, it was equally as fulfilling as it was distracting for me as an artist, because I found myself getting more wrapped up in like taking a story of me painting than actually painting or getting getting the right angle on the in progress piece rather than like just getting the piece done like it became a source of a kind of a removal and um taking you out of the headspace of yeah yeah, I, I just found myself trying to prove things to people or like taking taking pictures of my painting and then like trying to find the perfect song to add to the story to put right next to it mm. or like freaking out if I misspelled something in a caption. So when COVID really started to pick up when we were in all the lockdowns here in California and there were all the riots and things happening, um, I flat out just deleted both of them because I, it was, I was not having fun on the platforms to begin with. And I felt that anything I was sharing was just kind of bullshit or distraction, be it one way or the other. If I was trying, if I was saying something about something that was happening, then I was a hypocrite. If I wasn't saying something about what was happening, then I was a hypocrite. So mm. I really went inward for a few months without having any social media platforms. And that was super regenerative for me Mm. i felt like i really returned to why i was creating art in the first place without having to prove it to anyone yeah i think that's uh i have a two reoccurring things that i say pretty much on a daily basis that we live in the most exhausting time in the history of human history it's just plain difficult and and exhausting to be alive uh (laughs) and the second being that instagram is great and an online life is is awesome but it is a highlight reel we don't actually show when we're in bed and can't get out because we're depressed or you know i lost Mm -hmm. a big job or blah blah we don't share the the shit moments 
right? It's a highlight reel. It's I'm talking about mm-hmm. a shoot that I did yesterday with an Instagram model or a podcast guest that I have. I'm not talking about the negatives in life. And that's why I find it to be a double-edged sword, something you have to do in order to like have a public face and, and get, you know, new clients and customers and stuff. But at the same time, it is not my whole, you know, true self. And uh, I think yeah. that's a pretty powerful uh, ability that you have to in the middle of the pandemic when I was probably spending fucking hours of my day on my phone <laughs> to click that delete button. Um, I give you a lot of props for that, for sure. Talk to me about Thank some you. of the self-development tools that you've used, um, you know, whether it's over just the last year or just in general in life, things that like you do on a daily or weekly basis that kind of clears your mind, helps, you know, your growth pattern and, and kind of just um, has made you part of like who you are today. Mm, great question. I have a meditation practice, so I meditate pretty much every day, at least for 10 minutes. And that really feels to me now like mental hygiene. I feel like I function better throughout the day, even if I meditate in the middle of the day as opposed to the morning. I don't really have a set time, but just returning to that space of in in inness for a few minutes or a few breaths is really important to me. Um, I journal. I have this one line a day journal. And um, so each page has a spot for one line a day and the whole journal is for five years. Oh shit. So I have each. Yeah. So like there's a 2020, like let's say August 1st, 2020, 2021, 2022, all the way to 2025. And at first I was just doing it for fun, but I've been doing it. I've been writing a line for two years now. And I love looking back on the day of the year before a few days of the year before and seeing how far I've come just in that little bit of time. Oh, I love that. As it's it's remarkable. Like as an artist, it's so confirming to see as someone who's gone through the pandemic and had your whole life flip upside down. It's so beautiful to see, um, seeing how my relationships have changed, seeing how my headspace has changed, seeing um, all the self-development things I've done, like in terms of taking better care of my body or um, just really, it's, it's shown me that I can do it and that I'm doing it and that I will continue to, but I don't have to have everything figured out every moment, moment, because when I look back, I can see that it was already there. I just didn't, couldn't see it because I was focusing on what was happening that day. I love that. I, uh, I want to say like a week or two ago. So I, I, I have for, probably 10 years or so now kept a journal. Um, I would love to say I do it every day, but there's plenty of times where like a week goes by or two weeks go by before I write anything. And I very recently picked up a few of them from, you know, junior high, high school. Like I just, it's something I've been doing for a while and started reading some of the things that like I wrote, like, you know, my junior year of college or, you know, in 2011, like after I lost the job that I was working. And it's Mm -hmm. very funny how like my quote unquote voice, like the person who I think I am on paper and in my head has kind of been the same, but I think I lacked that clarity. Like, I think I lacked the realization Mm. that I have always been the person I am today, but I just didn't have the, the time or the, uh, internal effort or, or the internal work done then to realize it. And, uh, 
yeah. I, I've for a while been a proponent for peeping, people keeping PP, <laughs> people keeping journals <laughs> and writing. I think it's an incredibly powerful tool, something that I've super gotten into um, even more, especially since the pandemic. Um, I have such a hard time meditating. I have tried pretty much everything because I have one of those chaotic brains that never shuts the fuck up. And I'm up till two o'clock in the morning thinking, writing, mm-hmm. journaling, doing a million things. And I think it's part partly good and partly detrimental, obviously, to, to my sleep. Um, what do you think makes like a, a good meditation and what can I do that can kind of help me be a better meditator? Because I've tried a million things. I got the Apple Watch. The, you know, you, It does the little breathing thing for you. I've tried Headspace. I've tried a million things, but I can't seem to disconnect my brain from my body and my breath and just like be still. Oh, John, sounds like you're trying really, really hard. I am trying. I want to be completely relaxed. It's impossible. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. And it's different for me every day, too, just because you're going through different shit every day. Like every day there will be something new or new information that your body is integrating, new situations that happen right before you sit down to meditate or different thoughts on your brain. Um, For me... I either just focus on my breath, like focus on breathing in and breathing out and seeing those words in my head, like seeing breathe in and breathe out and focusing on that for 10 to 15 minutes. Or I pull up on YouTube shamanic drumming for 15 minutes and um, shamans out out in indigenous cultures have used drums for a really long time because they, when the drum, the drum beat is four beats per second. So when, when you're hearing that it puts your brain into, I'm forgetting what, what frequency it puts your brain into, but it regulates all of your cells so that all your cells are vibrating at that rate at the same time. And it's, you will feel as you listen to it, as you let yourself breathe, you'll feel everything in your body melts and integrate into what feels like one unified field. Hmm. And you just continue to focus on the space in between the beats. And eventually that's all you can focus on. Your brain kind of assimilates to um, that thinking mode. And it's very freeing once you realize that it's happened, that it's clicked into place because you see how you can tame your mind, hmm. which is wild. I got to give that a shot. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. So I had a, I had a photo shoot yesterday and sometimes shoots are a couple hours. Sometimes they're 20 minutes. And yesterday was one of those, like I had very clear ADHD throughout the shoot. I was like, boom, we're going here. We're going here. We're going here. We're going here. And the girl's like, well, this is like super quick and amazing. She's like, how do you know what you want to do? I was like, I don't know. But it was like very, uh, very chaotic. It was like a chaotic, uh, you know, ballet. Like we were like, it was like, that's how it felt Mm. like internally. But I would like to get to the point where when I'm doing these things that I love, I can be more present in the moment rather than thinking about the next thing. I want to be present in what I'm doing currently and less so, okay, well, I did this. So now we're going to go here and we're going to do there. And then I just want to be a lot more um, cohesive in you know, my approach towards my art. Um, speaking of, uh, you obviously do a number of different disciplines, re-art. Is there a particular medium that you like in general or that you prefer, whether it's painting or sculpture work or whatever it might be? 
I would say that the language that feels the most comfortable to me is painting. Painting and drawing has been what I've been doing for my entire life. So I feel it's it's like speaking English, for, but for my hand, like it just it comes out fluidly. I feel like I can translate my feelings or emotions um, conducively and very directly. Um, but what I found overall is that the idea itself determines the medium. So whatever the idea is, if, if, if you're dealing with, um, let's say jealousy, something abstract like that, like you're dealing with an emotion, how that looks on a canvas as an abstract expressionist painting will look very different than it will look as a 15 foot um, welded sculpture. Mm. It'll be a different feeling. It'll be a different effect, especially as the viewer, because the viewer going up to a painting, you're having a very one-on-one experience. But when it's a sculpture and you're walking around the sculpture and it's in your space and you can feel the metal, you can feel the weldedness, you can feel the texture of the materials, you'll have a different experience than if you were staring at a painting. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, that's what has been so incredibly fascinating for me evolving over time as an artist is seeing how different mediums do different things to the viewer and to different people. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't have that like ability to kind of have that translation of like the thing I'm trying to do. Like I've, I've had this conversation with James a lot about photography because I look at his images and they elicit emotion in a way that nothing I've ever done at least in my estimation has felt that way. I've taken, you know, it's, it's that catch 22. I've taken some photos, which I'm extremely proud of and they feel powerful to me. And then they don't resonate. They get two likes on Instagram. But I've always said that like his work is just very evocative and very powerful, whether, whether it's like, a, a fucking nude woman or it's a, you know, a wave crashing on the sea. There, there is a, an visceral, you know, kind of feeling to, to the things that he makes. And I've never felt like I could kind of trans, you know, translate that to my own work. Um, but it's cool to hear that. Like, I I would imagine it's easier to do when you're physically kind of interacting with the medium as an artist does, um, which, Mm -hmm. which I find pretty cool. Um, you, you did mention when you were kind of struggling with, you know, bulimia and, and your artwork kind of was anti to like what you were feeling inside. Do you have like a stronger connection now to like, whether your internal light is bright or dim to the artwork that you're creating at like any given moment? Definitely. Definitely. It's the, I don't know how it's going to come out, especially if I'm, if I'm, cause I've, I've, I've seen that it's my channel now. So I, I'm going to it to try to understand something. So like an abstract emotion or a feeling I'm using the canvas or using the structure or using the film as a way to explore that. So I'm not looking to the canvas and seeing, okay, I want to, I want to paint a bouquet and it's going to be beautiful and the background's going to be blue and the flowers are going to be pink. And I know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm, I'm approaching it, trying to discover something about myself. 
every project. That's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about like support. So obviously you grew up in an, like what I would consider a somewhat non-conventional household, you know, homeschooling is not, I don't know how common it is, but it is obviously not as normal or standard as typical, you know, childhood growing up. So talk to me about like the support system that you have, like whether it's friends, family, significant others, et cetera, that kind of instilled in you the confidence to do the things you want to do. And then like allowed you like the leeway to be successful in it. My mother is the biggest proponent of that. She wanted me and my brother to have the best childhood we could have and wanted us to explore and love and fall in love with life and um she loved that i was an artist she loved seeing those things come through me so she really supported me in um getting me the materials when i was really young and signing me up for classes and always pushing me or congratulating me and telling me that my work was good and um, saying that I was talented. Like I felt very supported. I heard the things and felt the things that I needed to feel from her to really um, allow myself to dive in. How old She's you, been my biggest support. How closer in age are you and your brother? Three years apart. He's three years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And is he also creative? He writes um, and he loves working with his hands. Like he he works on his car and stuff like that, but he's actually in the military. Oh, cool. He's in Texas. Yes. Not the best so state, we, but cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's having fun. Um, but we are very opposites in that way. Like he's very intelligent and creative as a person, but um, in terms of lifestyle philosophy, we're in yin yang paths. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, me and my brother, I have a twin sister and a younger brother and uh, me and my brother are, extremely opposite in that he's like got like a very pragmatic approach to life and I'm super unconventional and you know life is short I want to be happy I want to do the things that fill me up kind of way um and I think Mm -hmm. that's why we have such a great relationship because he calls me on my bullshit and I kind of tell him to you know lighten up a little bit and it's it's (laughs) it's kind of perfect (laughs) it is perfect um that's that's pretty awesome though because I like I said, I I came to my creative life very much later in life. And if it weren't for the support that I have from, you know, my family and my friends being like, yeah, you should do this and you should follow your passions and you should be creative and be happy. I wouldn't have, I would never have made the leap that I did. I would have Mm -hmm. been sitting Mm -hmm. in a cubicle for the rest of my life. 65 comes around and I'm going to blow my brains out because I wasted an entire life. And, uh, that's awesome. Support is so important for artists, especially because you're really vulnerable in everything. Like yourself, this canvas is blank before you put something on it. So being told that, uh, like being told that you're relevant, being told that you mean something, being told that you have a light that the world needs to see. I really want to, in the future, be able to create Um, environments and platforms for artists to feel confirmed and validated and work together and I love that yeah I uh a good buddy of mine the photographer uh Tyler James aka first hand account um 
he really kind of introduced me to this concept of community building and he's done it digitally Mm -hmm. and now kind of like taking that digital community building into real life and he's starting to do like real work projects and real um you know film he's working on films i think you know this is all via instagram so i'm just basing it off of what i see um but he's been able to take the relationships that he's formed online and built a community and been supportive for people who are doing creative things and i think that it's such an yeah it's incredible it's such an inspiring thing especially because you know he's a guy who's got 20 something thousand instagram followers and i know that that doesn't matter but at the end of the day when someone who is successful in the thing that they're doing takes the time to like elevate other people it's how you build community mm-hmm. it's how you find commonality amongst people and i think it's the the best thing that any creative can do for sure um yeah it's awesome talk to me about uh like creative ruts um i would imagine you don't wake up every day wanting to paint i you know i don't pick pick up my camera every day and sometimes i'll go days without doing it so talk to me about how you kind of overcome that kind of negative feeling that can inherently come from a creative pursuit. Mm -hmm. I think it happens to everyone. And I've started to view it as a good thing because you can't really paint every day, all day. There's always other things that need to get done, like organizing your brushes or doing sketches or social media planning or organizing the studio so that it's beautiful so that you want to paint in the studio so i have seen whenever my whenever my fundamental inspiration is not flowing to turn directly to the canvas i see i don't see it as a bad thing i see it as okay i'm going to take a step back and look at the rest of my life and see what needs to be in check because obviously part of my subconscious knows that i need to kind of deal with something before i can come back and be be fully present here Mm -hmm. yeah i like that Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I, I've always kind of looked at it like if I do the thing every day, I'm going to eventually burn out from my passion for it. So I like to kind of mm-hmm. detach from it. And then like, for instance, yesterday I picked up my camera to do a shoot. And when I was, com- when I was done, it felt like wonderful. Like I was like, you know, it's like a quote unquote mm. high. Like I felt like, you know, when you do the thing that you felt like you were put on this earth to do, it's like it lights your soul on fire. It makes you feel like you just did the thing that you were supposed to do. It's great. And that's not something that you have to do every single day. And it's nice to kind of be able to recognize that there are times where you can pause and say, okay, time to do the other things that I've been neglecting when I've been trying to just make the thing that I've, you know, kind of been doing. Yes, I totally, totally agree. What is the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? That everything is always working out for me. That doesn't sound like advice. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like lucky. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Is it? Yeah. I wish everything always (laughs) worked out for me. It's true though, like even in the ruts, even in those tough times, you're building muscles on one layer of your existence or another. There's something going on that you're, you're you have to figure out to get to the next step. Oh. And so even when things suck or it's not going how you planned or it's scary, you don't know where you're going, everything is always working out. And if you weren't in this position, you wouldn't be able to get to the next spot. Oh, that I like. Yeah. Um, Wow. 
Yeah, it's like that uh, scar tissue analogy. Like, it makes you tougher, but it also is, like, now a part of you. So, like, you learn the lesson, even though it's, mm-hmm. like, don't look away or text while you're riding your bicycle kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, that I, really frees you up to live mo- just out of more joy that way, too. When yeah. you're not hard on yourself for not being in the right place. For sure. I, I, I've, I've been very lucky in that I've made such dramatic internal leaps in the last 12 months or 18 months, whatever this pandemic's felt like 10 years. Um, but like the person that I am today is like the best version of myself. And I feel like tomorrow will be even a better version of myself. And that's like a super freeing feeling because it gives you the latitude to make risks, right? To be able to like calculate mm-hmm. risks. I'm not going to jump out of a plane or anything, but like I can start a podcast. I can, you know, pitch my photography to a brand or a magazine. It's like giving me the confidence to be able to do the things that I want to do. And it, you have to, it starts with like building up yourself for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, I think they're like, you know, you spend a lot of your time in your life kind of forecasting yourself five years out, right? Like you're in junior high, you're like, oh, in two years, I'm going to get my license. And then two years, I'm going to be 18 and 21 and then 25 and my first job and my second job and the new car and the new house and the big watch and the blah, blah, blah. And then when you like stop to sit around and like all the shit you've accumulated and you're like not doing anything that like makes you happy, you start to realize that like, you know, your life is not an accumulation of things. It's people it's you know places it's it's like experiences it's not Mm -hmm. you know what car i drive it's not what sneakers i'm wearing although i do have a sneaker problem but not the point (laughs) so true so true and it allows you to really be present in every moment too and love the people in front of you and love what you're doing yeah i i have gotten extremely good at being present in life just not meditating in the present moment in life <laughs> it's the one the one, one hurdle the <laughs> <laughs> for sure um it, it, but in regards to that like you know i i've constantly always been looking ahead right like you're always on to the next thing like high school college whatever job etc like do you still look at yourself like you know where am i going to be in five years or have you kind of let that go Oh, totally. No, every single day I'm dreaming about all of the amazing things that I want to do. Um, I want to be writing feature films. We're writing feature films right now, James and I. So we want to be, we want to see people's reactions to our fucking amazing films. Like I want to see people cry. I want to see people just be over overstimulated by the beauty that they see in front of their faces when all of our work comes out and is finally seen. I love that. Um, Yeah. I want to build sustainable communities. I want to build sound resonant chapels for um, plant medicine ceremonies. I want to get huge commissions to do 20 foot tall glass sculptures. Like there's so much I'm looking forward to. Oh, wow. I love that. I, uh, I kind of got away from that, right? Like I've got small goals in mind. Like I want to, you know, I'm shooting my, my, my second concert in a couple weeks. Like I want to, you know, there, there are like these like mini goals I have, but like that, those are big dreams. Those are like monumental life changing kind of, that's awesome. What, what, what would you say is like your, your biggest dream? My biggest dream right now is, um, the horror film with James. Like we're both writing the script for a film right now and I cannot wait to see what see what happens with that. 
film and photography are new to me. I've just really started dabbling with it the last few months in the time that I have met James. And I have seen how much potential there is, especially in the film realm, to get into people's subconscious and to create a beautiful narrative and on how many different levels film encompasses art, like the music, the characters, the lighting, all stitching all the scenes together, the transitions, the interactions between the characters and putting something in the beginning of the film that is then revealed at the end. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited to orchestrate a project of that monumental scale. That's fucking (laughs) awesome. I mean, that, I mean, I'm floored. That's amazing. Um, how much do you think like that and, you know, intimate relationship that support system that you have like directly linked to like this person that you love gives you like that, that power, that strength, that confidence. So much, so much. I just, we want to build a kingdom together. Like we just want to take on the world together. Oh, to me, it that. feels like we're, yeah, it, it's, our bond is so special. It feels like we're both little kids together and we've known each other for millions and millions of years at the same time. Oh, and that we're that. here now to like really get shit done and change, like just create beautiful things for people to see. That's amazing. So I'm so excited to do that. That's awesome. I love that. Wow. That's very powerful. I'm, I'm very happy for you guys. I love James. So naturally I love that for you as well. That's awesome. How could anyone not? He's pretty incredible. He is incredible. I mean, we're like, I've only known him for a very short period of time and I'm slightly older than him, but his like the, the, the way in which he views the world is inspiring and his art, Mm -hmm. you know, as a fellow photographer inspires me. I'm constantly sending him shit that I sent. I'm like, what do you think this is good? Like, is this good? Is this good? I'm like, I just want to know what you think. Cause he's got, he's got an eye. He's got an ability to see the world in a lens that is non, non-standard, non-conforming. I don't know what the, the distinction I'm trying to say, but it's, he's a great dude. I'm very happy to hear that. Totally. It's been such a cool experience meeting someone at that level. Like artistically, we, we expand so much just like in conversations and in planning things together I, I love his brain and it we're just so well matched to really flourish. Oh, love that. Really love that. I, uh, I've, I've only recently gotten to the point in my life where I don't look at like the negatives that like have occurred in my past as like regrets. Like I, tr- I try to go through my present life with the benefit of like future hindsight. Like I want to do the things that I'm, going to do because I don't want to regret not doing them. Um, talk to me about how you either have mitigated, you know, future Sienna regrets or overcome, you know, past regret and kind of how that made you grow. Along the same lines of having the best advice given to me being everything's always working out for me. Everything's always working out for me. So if there's something that I regret, like, I don't, I don't really regret anything. I see how I just, 
either wasn't like didn't have the awareness at the time to understand what what I was doing or what I was going through or there was a bigger lesson for me to learn in that moment I don't have any regrets for anything that I've done everywhere I've been I feel like we're all perpetual two-year-olds like we're we're not gonna know all the time what to do and we're all just trying to figure it out and doing the best we can so I I do I am an overthinker though so I will um I will be a little hard on myself or judge myself sometimes immediately after for whatever that reason is but I don't I don't like to cling to like, I made a mistake there Mm. because in that moment it wasn't a mistake in that moment. I thought I was doing the right thing. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a very, very important like, uh, mental view. Like the, that, that, that ability will serve you very well. That's, that's, that's big. Mm -hmm. What's like, uh, what's the, the, like your, your biggest fear? What's like your, your, the one thing that you like are afraid of? Being perpetually alone, not having any money, dying homeless on the street. That's pretty <laughs> fair. <laughs> but it would take so long to get to that point, yeah. you know? Yeah, you'd have to really like, piss off your family. <laughs> everything. You have to piss off everyone for that to happen. Yeah, that'd so. be tough. Yeah. Well, well I, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that you won't have to deal with that. <laughs> That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. So I'll be fine. Yeah, good. Um, I like to kind of wrap up every... Uh, podcast with kind of like a little rapid fire, little uh, Q&A kind of session. Some are easy, some are heavy. You know, you don't have to give me like the the most in-depth, you know, question or answer. But um, my very first question is, what is your favorite book? Favorite book? Gene Keys. Hmm. What's that? Gene Keys is essentially a re-remembering process. So, there are 64 gene keys, 64 chapters that are all based on the 64 archetypes of the I Ching. And it's, it's kind of, um, it's in the realm of spirituality, but it's a re-remembering. So each, each of the gene keys helps you understand um, the shadow consciousness to the gift, to the, to the enlightened state of, whatever shadow that is so for example jealousy like jealousy and doesn't feel good in our systems but it's actually teaching us something so in this book it explains what jealousy is on a fundamental level for humans and what process and what you learn and how you can transmute that into becoming um, completely free and all loving Hmm. But each, each of the 64 keys has a different shadow. So um, self-doubt, vanity, jealousy, hate, um, It's like the blame. seven deadly sins kind of? Yeah, the 64 of them. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I read that almost every day. It's very freeing, just remembering that like we're all, we're all here doing the best we can and loving. Yeah. So. Uh, this took a lot of work, but when I realized like everybody's just a person, they're just as fucked up as I am. And they're like, they all poop. Like when you start like realizing like mm-hmm. everyone's just someone who had a mom and a dad and you know, went through their own shit, like life gets a lot easier. Like when you realize like someone at a store yelling at someone, like they're just having a bad day. 
like you know mm-hmm. people are just people i think that's like a, an incredibly freeing kind of uh uh feeling what's uh what's your favorite movie i would say inception oh so good love that movie yeah yeah I do too. I can't get enough of it. I feel like I learn or see something else every time I watch it. And dream states are fascinating to me. Yeah, Christopher so. Nolan is a fucking genius. And I love Interstellar. I love all of his movies, but Interstellar is pretty dope too. I like that one. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he's wild, crazy dude. What's uh, what's your favorite mm-hmm. food? I don't have one. Really? Chocolate. Chocolate. All right. Chocolate. There you go. <laughs> That's good. I mean, that that is one for sure. <laughs> What are you yeah. most what are you most proud of? Hmm. I think I'm most proud of my optimism. I love that. Like my ability to bounce back and just show back up to the table and work with what I've got. I'm I'm most proud of my optimism. I really like that. Uh, in the vein of the best piece of advice you have ever been given, what is one piece of advice that you have for everyone listening to you on the podcast today? Stop thinking. <laughs> Stop thinking so hard and just move towards what attracts you. Move towards what is easy move towards what you can't stop thinking about or what your mind drifts to when you're daydreaming or you're just what makes you happy. Just stop thinking about the money. Stop thinking about what it's going to turn into or what it's going to mean about you. If you do it, just move towards what makes you, what lights you up. I like that. What is one recommendation that you have for everyone listening today on something that you've recently consumed? Could be a book, a podcast, movie, a TV show, just something that you've seen, watched, listened to, or consumed lately that you think everyone should check out. I think everyone should watch Mad Men. Oh, yeah. I know I'm a little behind on the game. I've never that. watched it. I know it. a lot of people have already seen it. It's so good. I've, I've never it's watched so it. so good. Yeah, that's funny. You gotta watch it, John. I know. my uh, my Incredible. I can't, geez, what would my cousin's wife be? My cousin-in-law? Yeah, my, my cousin-in-law, Becky, has been trying to get me to watch Mad Men for a very long time. And I fucking love John Hamm. I don't know why I've never watched it. I think it's just like one of those things. It's so many seasons, so I've missed the boat. I'm like, oh, fuck, I've got like 90 hours to watch. John, they're all juicy, though. <laughs> like, it gets better and better and better. I think I'm on season six right now, and I don't want it to end. And I don't finish TV shows. All so. right. All right, I'll give it a I'll give it a whirl. Uh, I have recently been watching Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. It's on Hulu. Mm. I think everyone should watch it. It's just Martin Short and Steve Martin. I don't know. They've probably done. I mean, one movie for sure, The Three Amigos. But like, I, they need to just work together in perpetuity. They're fucking hilarious. The show has got depth. It's it's just it's funny. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. What is it called? Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu. Only Murders in the Building. It's good. You'll like it. It's I'll got the, the John stamp of approval. Um, Sienna, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on the pod today. I had so much fun. It was such an absolute joy to have this conversation with you, and I'm extremely appreciative that you uh, came on today and had this chat with me. Thank you for inviting me, John. I had a great time. It was great talking to you super wholesome and i really appreciate it oh no problem thank you so much take care